0: morning church lovely to it is it is i honestly don't say this as a as an empty phrase or cliche it is honestly a privilege to regularly be sharing and unpacking god's word with you it is one of the greatest privileges that i have in my my life um and i hope that i honor you well uh in it I, i'm not going to be actually speaking for very long today i hope i'm not over promising there uh i, I look I I, I look at what God had laid on my heart and given me and it was a bit of, well, is that it? It's fairly concise, fairly to the point. Um, we don't need to pad it out, that's the last one we want to do. You don't want to sit through uh, someone trying to sort of, you know, just just fill it for, to, to try and get to sort of a 25, 30-minute uh, mark. Um, if you were expecting a preach lasting between 25 and 30 minutes, uh, complaints can be made to Nathan Waddell in writing, um, <laughs> if you have his email address, but I'm sure there, I can't imagine there would be. But um, we're, we're closing today um, our series on Making disciples, being disciples that make disciples, and what that what that looks like, and uh, and then starting a new series from next uh, next Sunday. Uh, recently, though, I I have been introduced and started to watch a a series. It may be known to a few of you. Twenty four hours in A and E. Is that known to? I'm seeing a few nods of the head. You know, it, it tries to display and demonstrate a typical. 24 hour period in a um, in a busy A&E department and and suffice to say if you're not good with blood if you're not good with body parts not being where they should be probably not your cup of tea probably not best for you it is it is amazing and and horrific at the same time, you know, you have, you know, there was one recent episode of a, a runner who had dislocated her ankle, and, and the ankle would like come out of the skin, and the nurse is like standing. There's two nurses literally holding her ankle, and you're sitting. I'm sitting there going, well, "What would you do with that?" But then the doctor comes, and within a couple of swift motions, the ankle's back in, and it's fairly like nonchalant. Like, yeah, we'll just take you to surgery, put a few pins in, and you'll be fine. And it's like, you know, it's just, it's amazing. And then they, they try to build up the suspense as well throughout the episode, which is a bit, to be honest, it's a bit morbid, because they, they try and build up the suspense, the suspense. So you're sitting there watching, thinking... Is he still alive? Like, at the end of the... They, they, they interview the friends and the family, but the way that they talk about the person, it's to kind of make it seem there's a bit of jeopardy here. Or at the very least, is he still walking? You know, there was a guy that came off his motorbike and he's got a litany of broken bones from head to toe. And then three, six months later, he's out in the garden running around playing with his kids. You know, it's just amazing, some of the, the recovery. But why I bring it up is in one recent episode I saw, uh, there was a staff nurse who said, second on the lines of, of all the things that we do in a day, the, the best thing, the most important thing we may have done that day is make a cup of tea for somebody. The thing that is going to be most remembered and, and recollected by individuals that I interacted with is that cup of tea I made and the five minutes I spent talking with that individual. And it got me thinking that we, we've heard over the last few months great direction, great wisdom, practical, useful insight... Around discipleship, around uh, being disciples that make disciples. Here on a Sunday in our midweek groups, going through the course from Simon Holly. But we, of course, should should not be falling into a trap that this is a series of of activities or actions to be implemented or, or duties to be fulfilled. Shouldn't lose sight of fundamentally what we are about and what we've sung about about having a heart uh, that God moulds, going after his example, Christ-likeness, that discipleship or making disciples is all of the stuff we've heard and listened to and read or, 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 or interacted with, of course, should be considered, should be action, should be put into practice, should be prayerfully and diligently worked through. But we, and I know this is known to many of you, so it is nothing revelationary, we are not called to be process facilitators or duty fulfillers. But we are called to be disciple makers, to be kingdom builders, to be earthly shakers and not lose sight of fundamentally and foundationally discipleship is in those cups of tea's. Discipleship is in those small chats. Discipleship, making disciples, is in a series of sometimes seemingly insignificant actions and events. It's in devotion and care and kindness towards the people that we meet. It's walking with people joyfully and diligently. It's not simply inviting them to come to, a, to, a, to an event or to church, but going to them. As Paul writes, To the Jews I became a Jew, to those under the law I became as such. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Foundationally, discipleship is found in those cups of tea. Day-to-day, devotion, sincerity, walking joyfully with people that we meet. And when I think back personally to my own formative years as a teenager, I think back to youth workers within church. I don't think back to great events, really, they put on, the great fun that we had, the great sort of teaching points they gave. Now, when I think back to my youth leaders, I think back to minibus, minibus drives. I think back to, to, to Lyft's home. I think back to them coming down to, to my uh, limited capacity at that time in discussion and, and taking time to encourage, to impart. To sincerely in my eyes devote time to me, invest time to me in conversations and actions that seemingly would have not been noticed by anybody else really. May not even be things that they remember or recollect. When I think back to school, I don't think about amazing lesson plans or amazing wisdom or teaching that was given, to be honest. I think back to specific conversations and teachers that took time to stretch, to challenge, to motivate, to rebuke me even. That's what I think about. And I think about people that have invested time in my life. Chats, conversations, actions that they themselves may not have even remembered and certainly unseen to the outside world. And as we have been looking through the Gospel of Matthew, I really have got a sense that there's a similar account in Matthew chapter 8. And in the middle of this chapter, Matthew chapter 8 verses 14 and 15, we read of a seemingly... Quite low-key event. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. That's it. Those two sentences. Jesus came into Peter's house, saw Peter's mother-in-law, saw she had a fever, touched her hand, and she immediately got up and started to wait on him and the disciples. And it's just—it really interests me, you know, when we look at Math, that particular chapter eight of, of of the Gospel of Matthew. That those two verses are literally in the middle, surrounded by—you could call them—the some of the greatest hit, compilation of the greatest hits of of, of 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 gospel narratives. You know, we start out strong in chapter eight. If you have, have it in front of you. We start out strong. We start out with leprosy. A man with leprosy. And the way that it's written is, it's uh, I, I could call them Hollywood lines. You know, Jesus is, is presented with a man with leprosy. If you are willing, Lord, make me clean. And Jesus just uses five words. I am willing. Be clean. Like we start out strong. We start out strong in this chapter. And then we go to the faith of the centurion. The faith of the centurion. The centurion's servant is at home, paralysed, can't get out of bed. And the faith of the centurion is so much that he says, look, I see authority where I see it. You don't even have to come to my house. Just say the word. And Jesus' response is, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And go and let it be done just as you have believed it to. Then we get to after the uh, uh, account of Peter's mother-in-law. We move on to further healing. We then see Jesus calming the storm. Jesus having authority over nature itself, and people being amazed and saying, "What kind of man is this?" Even the winds and the waves obey him. And then we get to the at the end of the chapter where we've got demon-possessed pigs flying off the cliff. Like we we start strong with let's see we end with demon possessed men their demons getting out of them into the pigs flying off the cliff, and in the middle of this chapter, we have to be frank, an older lady laid up in bed for maybe a couple of days with a fever, that Jesus touches and she is healed. Why why is that recollected? Why is that recorded? In that chapter, and not just in Matthew, but also in Mark and in Luke. The whole of chapter 8 is already magnificently, in all certainty, declaring the authority of Jesus Christ. The chapter already is declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. But we have a very small, personal, intimate account there of an older lady with a fever, that Jesus heals. And when I think about it simply, it's recorded because it was remembered. It resonated with people. So much that it was recorded in Matthew and Mark and Luke. And it ultimately tells us all that we need to know. That there was a need, however big, however small, that Jesus saw, that Jesus knew he could do something about, so he acted and God moved. That's an example to follow. When we think about Anne's word of how we're molded in his image, a need, we act, God moves. A need, we act, God moves. In that, we are showing Christ's likeness, our example to, for, to, to follow as we make disciples. A need, we act, God moves. So how can we individually and corporately get better at orientating ourselves towards need? Opening ourself to action, and growing in expectancy that God will move. Orientating ourselves to need, opening ourselves to action, and growing in expectancy for God to move. Now that does sound like the start of a nice three-point sermon there. But unfortunately, I don't have... <laughs> All I've got this morning are questions for us to help reflect in those areas, orientating ourselves to need, opening ourselves ever more to action, and growing in expectancy that God will and does move. So, where is the need in my day to day? Who is in need that I know? What can I do about it? What is stopping me? to meet that need? What time do I have to give? What resources, gift,ing capacity, do I have to offer? What may I need to lay down to meet that need? Do I consistently couple action with prayer? Do I expect and do I have faith that God will move in this situation? How quickly do I disqualify or discount myself in this situation or in circumstances? At the end of our short time on earth, and as a couple of weeks ago, Nathan illustrated with that ribbon how short that actually really is, we... We want to rest in the knowledge that we, as Paul writes, sowed bountifully, that we sowed bountifully into need. And yes, we didn't get it right all of the time in our own imperfection and fallacy and failing. Yes, we messed up and weren't always successful. Yes, we let opportunities pass our by. Yes, we let needs that we knew needed to be met. Yes, we let them, perhaps at times, go unmet. But hand on heart, we, we tried. We, 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 we wanted, had an, our endeavour and our pursuit was to be obedient in all things, to the best of our ability, to be obedient, to be faithful to God's words, to be an effective disciple and an example of Christ's likeness in the people that we met. And in the circumstances and the situations that we found ourselves, that at the end of our short life, when we're in front of our Father God, we are known as faithful and obedient servants, far from perfect, but with endeavour, with pursuit, with conviction and motivation in our hearts to be meeting needs, to be a people of action, people of expectancy in the movement of God. So as Paul does write, as he talks about sowing bountifully, so that we may reap bountifully. Maybe not on, in this earth, but in heaven. And when in heaven, and if it works out like this, people coming up to you, and what they remember or recollect of things that you had done, words that you have said, actions that you had enacted that had stayed with them for decades, that even you yourself had forgotten, that had certainly not been perhaps seen by other people or by anyone else. Now, when I look around this room, you know, I think of... Steve, I did see Steve Keeson. Steve Keeson, there. There he is. He's behind the other pillar. So, Steve, Steve, it may not be someone coming up to you. You you had healed on the streets as part of that ministry. I've got in my mind someone coming to you to say, Steve. The money that you gave, the financial support that you gave to that children's charity in Pakistan. I am here today because of that. Because I gave my life at one of those events. And now my children and my grandchildren are in the body of Christ. Jenny, it may not be people coming up to you and saying, the times of worship that you led, the courts of praise that you were able to, as a body, enter us in, But I see a a woman at my darkest time. I'm here today because of the support you gave. The love that you showed. The example that you demonstrated. I'm here today because in that I saw Christ. And I saw a father who loved me. And Adrian as well. And I speak it as someone who preaches. Preaches. Uh, as well. I can't expect anyone coming up saying, the preach you gave on April 22nd, 2017, that stayed with me for 60 years. I say that as I want to preach. I don't expect anyone to say that to me. But the consistent... um, An obedient serving, seeing you every time we had a shared lunch or a a buffet, anything to do with with food or with organisation, it linchpin was, was you. Your devotion, your humility, your obedience was the example that showed to me what it meant to serve humbly and faithfully in a church. I could go, I could go on. And on. But I'm convinced that in this room there are hundreds, hundreds of actions, of words, of seemingly uh, uh, insignificant small events and sacrifices that for sure may have gone unnoticed on the earth, but in heaven will be proclaimed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm going to invite my wife to do a a, a a a performance. Now some of you may know but many years, many, many years ago we were part of a Christian mime troupe that used to travel around the UK extensively, um putting on shows. You know I was the only twelve I was the only sort of 14-year-old that knew how to wear eyeliner properly probably. <laughs> But i just going to write Lisa up. Um, you know, I, I'm, yeah, we're, we're just to honour her in this. She hasn't done this for probably at least 12 years, but it really does speak, um, I think, just to what we've been sharing around those small actions and sacrifices that are unnoticed on earth, but in heaven are proclaimed. And as we reap bountifully in heaven of our Lord and Jesus Christ saying thank you. Thank you for, for giving as you have done in so many different ways. Thank you for giving to the Lord.
1: heard the angels singing and someone called your name I turned and saw this young man and he was smiling as he came and he said friend you may not know me now and then he said but wait you used to teach my Sunday school and I was on Every week you would say a prayer Before the class would start One day when you said that prayer I asked Jesus in my heart Thank you For giving to the Lord I have a life That was changed Somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices made, I noticed on the earth, in heaven, now proclaimed. And I know up in heaven. For giving to the Lord For I am a life That was changed Give